Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hello and welcome back. It is so good to be with you. It has been a wild couple of weeks. We just had our next level workshop. It was such an incredible day. I had so much fun hanging out with all of you uh, in person and online. It was so, so good. And I wanted to let you know before we dive into today's episode that we are doing our final intake for the next level club in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to not only finish the year with like a bit of direction and strategy for your business, but to know that January next year, you are walking into a really incredible program, a really incredible community, and you know that you're working on your business, not just in it. If that sounds like something that you want to do, we have a pretty cool offer going at the moment um, for those who take action before the end of the year. So if you want to know more details about that, all you need to do is send me a DM on Instagram. You'll find me at Laura Higgins. All you need to do is send me a DM with the words next level and we can have a chat about if it's the right fit for you and the next steps. If it feels like, heck yes, let's do it. We can talk you through all the next steps from there. It's our final intake for the year. So it's going to be incredible. Uh, We've got so many people joining us already. So it's going to be a really cool cohort that you'll be part of and a really great opportunity to finish the year strong and to take a break over December and just know that you are going to come back into the new year with a plan, with a really cool coaching community to be part of. And we're just going to work with you to hit your goals to make 2024 your best year yet. Okay. I am so excited about this. This is going to be such a cool way to end the year. But this episode, I want to talk to you about our guest. It is a very special guest that we have on the show today. Her name is Annalise McCarthy, aka Her Speaking Coach. Annalise is a woman speaking coach who empowers women to master the skills of confidence, communication, and public speaking. She has an incredible story. She is really, really good at what she does, and she has helped me a bunch already. Just through this interview, I was like so many things. I was like, oh my goodness, I need to work on this, and oh my gosh, I can improve here. So there is so much gold in this episode. I want to say to you, even if you don't see yourself as a speaker, even if that's the case, you will still get something out of this episode because the reality is if you are building a brand, if you are building something online, if you have an Instagram account, you need to master the art of public speaking because that's what we're doing all the time. If you have a podcast, if you coach, if you present on Zoom, if you show up on an Instagram story every day, then you are going to find some gold in this interview. You're going to find a whole lot of value from Annalise. So make sure that you tune in. You are going to love it. All right. Let's dive into my conversation with the wonderful Annalise McCarthy of Her Speaking Coach. Annalise, I am so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Already I know this is going to be a great conversation, so thank you so much for joining us. I am honoured and I'm also fangirling, so it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, the feeling is so mutual. Now, Today we are talking about public speaking and we're going to be talking about how to get good at it, get good, Mm. how to get good at it and how to be confident in public speaking. So I want, like, can you give us the kind of 
backstory of how you came to be a speaking coach. Absolutely. So as a young girl, I had crippling social anxiety and I had a lisp and I was really terrified of speaking in front of people. And so around eight years old, my parents recognized, oh, this is a bit of an issue. We need to do something about this. So they put me into a speech pathologist. I started working on my lisp. And then they enrolled me in what was available at my school, which was a public speaking tuition. So it was very much like a subject like English and math. So every single week I would go do this co-curricular activity and I would learn public speaking. So this was everything from poetry recitals to impromptu speaking, drama, debating, you name it. That's what I started to do. Now, naturally, as a young girl who was terrified of speaking in front of people, that wasn't exactly the best thing in the world. <laughs> like it was, it was quite scary. Uh, and I didn't exactly love it from the get go. However, the more I started to do it, the more that I really started to genuinely enjoy it. And I picked up a real love for public speaking. And I think the more I did drama as well, that really brought out my ability to take on characterizations and, you know, kind of perform. And I ended up studying public speaking in school for 10 years And when I was in my final year, I traveled to America to represent Australia in public speaking at the world championships. And that was the most surreal experience. Also the first time I ever saw snow in Pittsburgh. So that was pretty exciting. (laughs) And I was public speaking captain. So basically like an absolute speaking nerd. So did, you know, competition after competition and my whole life was consumed with speaking. So everyone in school knew me as that speaking kid, right? Very, very Mm. popular. I was, let me tell you. And then I finished school and to my dismay, Laura, there was no degree in public speaking. And I'm looking around at universities. I'm like, come on, man, like I'm ready. I'll give you three years of my life. I want to study this. Where do I go? Where do I learn it? And no university had a degree in public speaking. Obviously they have degree in communications, but I'm sure as you're aware, communications is not the art of public speaking. It is more so Mm. business and, and whatnot. So When I was in my final year, I had a lot of my teachers who kind of allured to me that I'd be good at law and that I'd make a good lawyer and I'd make a good barrister, mainly because I did debating and I did a lot of speaking, yada, yada. So I started to pursue law and I did a double bachelor of law and Mandarin. And I did Mandarin because I'd learned it in school and I wanted to continue learning it. And it was within six months of doing this degree, I realized I didn't want to be a lawyer. I graduated five years later from that degree. So for four and a half years, I did not want to study that degree. But the reason I share this is because I think my, firstly, I had so much imposter syndrome and my self-worth was really low, but also I had a really big ego and I really loved the idea of Mm. studying law, being impressive, Mm -hmm. earning lots of money, wearing the cool suits. And I think as well, my age at the time I was always really insecure about. So during this time I had gone back to schools to teach public speaking. So I was a public speaking teacher for five years all throughout my degree. And I was also working in real estate. And during these experiences, I had one too many adults who would say to me, wait, how old are you? Like what? Like how? Cause obviously being a teacher and being what, 19, 18, it's quite unusual, but because I yeah, had gotten yeah. my diploma in teaching public speaking when I finished school, I was fully qualified to teach, but I was just really young. My point with this being, because I had so many insecurities and my confidence was so low, 
in my mind, I think I rationalized, okay, well, if I have this really impressive degree that really legitimizes me and gives me a lot of credibility and I can become a lawyer, all my problems will go away. (laughs) That was my logic, right? Yes. So my fourth year of uni, we were told that we would spend a year abroad in our host country. So mine being China, because I was learning Mandarin. And I had been waiting, Laura, for three years to go on this trip. Like the reason I did not quit this degree was because I knew I could be in China for the year. And I was like, in China, I know it sounds so cliche, but I was like, in China, I'm going to find myself. I'm going to meet this like really (laughs) handsome Chinese man. We're going to fall in love. We're going to have Chinese babies. Like I'd made my whole persona (laughs) and identity around this idea of going on this trip. Now this trip was planned for February, 2020. And if you remember what happened in February, 2020, I did not get on that plane. (laughs) So to my dismay, I I couldn't go to China. And that really threw me into a whirlwind where I started really questioning, you know, is this degree what I want to do? Am I really happy? And because we were in COVID, a lot of my friends were being let go from their jobs. So who did they come to, to get interview training for their new positions? Their speaking nerd friend. And so over Zoom, I would start coaching my friends in their interviews. And after, you know, five or six Zoom calls, and after so many of them actually got the job, I started to really realize, huh, this is actually something I really like doing. This is actually something I'm quite good at. And it really (laughs) clicked for me that the feeling that I had leaving that meeting or that Zoom call was polar opposite to the feeling that I had leaving my university seminars and my lectures. It fueled me rather Mm. than draining me. And during this Mm. time, I had found the book Millionaire's Messenger by Brendan Burchard. And I often credit, I I wait for the day where I can actually meet Brendan in person and say thank you, because I really credit this book to the reason as to why I started my business. In this book, it talks through basically how to be successful and make money off of doing something that you love. We've all heard this concept before. So I remember reading this book, you know, quite like, yeah, all right, well, whatever. And one of the first questions, Laura, in this book that just smacked me in the face, it was, what do all of your friends come to you for? And I was like, Mm. oh my God, all of my friends come to me for interview training, to train them for their presentations for work to, you know, coach them on small talk when they go on dates. Like that is, that is me. That's what I do. Wow. And so it really started to click of, wow, public speaking isn't just a hobby. This is actually my identity. And this is also my skill set. Cause by that time I'd been trained in it for what, 14 years. So I had a shit ton of expertise. I had a shit ton of experience and I was like, yeah, wait a minute. Maybe this could actually be something bigger than just a hobby. And so during that time, my friend Katrina, who I love and adore, but I also hate, and I'll tell you why, is because we had this call (laughs) where I'd said to her, and by only mind, we're still in lockdown, so we're still kind of virtual. And I'd said to her, hey, I I think I want to start a business. She was like, oh my God, amazing. Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I want to be a speaking coach. I think I want to train women in how to public speak. Because also I should mention, in the five years that I was a teacher, I was teaching in all girls schools. So my connection to women and working with women was just Mm. so, so strong and and very much like embedded in me. 
And so I remember we'd had this conversation. She helped me set up my Squarespace website. And I was like, okay, like, wow, this is really a thing. This is happening. Oh my God. She made me this really like corporate looking logo because she worked in marketing. And so I had like Annalise McCarthy in this like black and gold cursive font. Cause I was like, this looks really legitimate. This looks really impressive. This looks really expensive. Like people are going to like this. And then I'd, I'd made everything. I'd created my Instagram page. And for anybody who wants to fact check this, if you scroll down to my very first post, it is still there. I posted this very <laughs> corporate looking logo in August of 2020 being like, you know, hi guys, like something is coming soon. Like woo, with like one follower, which was Katrina. <laughs> and then I didn't do anything or I didn't post anything for about four or five months. And the reason being, Laura, was because I got so suffocated in self-doubt and was completely drowning in what I didn't realize at the time, but was imposter syndrome. And I really felt like this imposter of like, well, who am I to coach women or mothers or CEOs or like, why would they listen to me? Like, what do I have to offer? I I don't know any, I just, I got so entrenched Mm. in doubt. Mm. And during this time in, I think it was around October, I was having a conversation with a friend. And to this day, I'll never forget. They were, we were talking about this business idea and they were like, you know, why haven't you started yet? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just kind of like waiting for the right time. And I'm, I'm really busy with uni and stuff at the moment. So we'll just, you know, it's not important at the moment. We'll just wait. And I'll never forget, Laura, you know what they said to me? They were like, huh, that's pretty selfish of you. Excuse me? And I know for those of you who are listening, you can't see my face, but like jaw is dropped. It's like selfish of me. What do you, what do you mean? Like I was really taken aback. And they said to me, well, you could help so many women with this skill set that you have. Mm. You could literally change lives, Annalise. Like you could help people overcome this fear, but you're just yeah. deciding that you're not ready and that you don't know what might happen. So I just think that's pretty selfish. And it was at the time I was probably didn't respond the way that I should have. But in hindsight, I recognize, wow, that really was the tough love that I needed. Yeah. Because it made me recognize, and this is something I always talk about to this day, my why. And it made me recognize Mm -hmm. that my why is so much bigger than me. It is not about me. It has nothing to do with me. The reason I do this work is for the women who can't speak up in meetings, is for the women who absolutely cripple and shake at the thought of standing in front of their colleagues, is for the women who want to deliver a really kick-ass presentation but decide to call in sick the day before because they realize, well, I can't do that. I can't be a speaker. That is why I do it. And Mm. that for me, I have so much gratitude towards that moment because I always remind myself of that any time when I get doubtful about the business or I second guess my vision, which is really normal. And we all do it. We all have those moments, but that is why I then started her speaking coach and I officially launched it. And I started showing up on Instagram in blazers, might I add, because remember she was still a law student. So we still had to be impressive and the ego <laughs> was still very much there. And it wasn't until I started yeah. doing a lot of self-development work, working with coaches and all that stuff that I really started to become my own identity. And now flash forward yeah. 2023, 
and here we are and the businesses are thriving and she's she's very happy and you know we're doing really really well and it just brings me so much joy to think of shit that was only three years ago and yet it feels like yeah. so much has happened in that time oh amazing and I love hearing your story because I think well a few things I think it gives you credibility for what you're helping people to overcome this this fear of public speaking is like what do they say it's like up there with like fear of heights right it's like it's like one of the biggest fears that people have it is and the, so the biggest the biggest fear the biggest greater than death <laughs> isn't that crazy and yeah. and like it's so like i think the fact that you have gone through the journey of having a lisp and having to do like speech therapy to to overcome that and then all of a sudden you're like well now i'm figuring out how to speak on stages and and do drama and like all of those things as a kid that is such a crazy and like the social anxiety and then as an adult having the imposter syndrome that we have and the, all of the like things that come with it i think it's just it's so interesting because it you might see it as oh well does that discount me mm. because i've I've had all these experiences or maybe I haven't had enough experience, but I think that that qualifies you and gives you so much credibility in what you do because you've, your journey has been so, I don't know, I think so relatable to someone who really wants to overcome a fear of public speaking. Well, thank you. That's so beautiful to hear. And I, I definitely do now see it in that light, but it took me a long time to get there. And I think that's, I think that's also really normal because when you're stepping into a sphere mm. where you are coaching other people and you're positioning yourself as an expert, I think particularly yeah. for women, it can feel really uncomfortable to take ownership of that title and to really own your assets, own your success, own your skill set. And I feel like I'm very much now in that position, but it, it was mm. not by any means a mentality that I started with. It took a really long time to to build that. Yeah. Well, it's it's really inspiring hearing your story. And I, and I know that for anyone listening who maybe has a fear of public speaking or just wants to, you know, improve the way they present or the way they show up on Instagram stories or the way they present a keynote or whatever it is. Like, I think that your journey is just really inspiring. And, and so I want to kind of get into some specifics here, but the first question I have for you is, why do you think public speaking is such an important skill for women mm. or people in business to to have? Why, why do you think it's so important? That is such a great question, Laura. There are so many different ways I could answer this, but I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is when you are unable to advocate for yourself or articulate your value mm. or speak up for your business or your brand or your whatever it might be, when you're unable to communicate that effectively with other people, you miss out on opportunities, you miss out mm. on income, and then you also miss out on earning respect and connection and building rapport and trust and all those beautiful things that we do with human beings. So in essence, I think the reason that public speaking, it's interesting, it's called a soft skill. I would argue it's bloody hard, but the reason yeah. that it's such a prioritized skill. And I would argue the most important one to learn mm -hmm. is because when you learn how to speak confidently and communicate effectively, 
you break all the barriers to communication because you're able to effectively listen and comment and build rapport and make people feel Mm. comfortable and share your message and your story in a way that makes people feel rather than just think you become memorable. I often say like good speakers make people think great speakers make people feel. And when you learn how to become Mm. a great speaker, your whole world changes because you adopt this energy and this mindset of damn right I can share my story and damn right I can articulate my value because I have earned my stripes and I deserve to do that. And this is why, to your question as well, it is so important for women in particular to learn this skill and to practice this skill and to master this skill, particularly women in corporate who work in male-dominated workplaces, who struggle being assertive or speaking up, who are people pleasers, who never put their hand up to speak in meetings or present When you perpetuate that habit, you're going to get Mm. the same result over and over and over again. And the result is leaving work feeling unsatisfied and resentful and angry and feeling like you're missing out on opportunities. And I'm I'm not going to lie and say that learning public speaking is is easy. It's it's not. It's it's a journey and and it takes time. But is it a worthy investment of your time and energy and money? Oh, my good Lord. I, I would argue it's it's one of the best investments because it's the bloody gift that keeps on giving. Like when, yes. when you like you have a podcast, Laura, you can reach yeah. millions of people if you wanted to all over the world just through your voice. If you started recording mm. an episode and you thought beforehand, oh God, like who would want to listen to this? Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And oh shit, like I can't do that. Like, no, I just shouldn't. When you don't believe in yourself, when you don't believe in your message, like you are a woman who has crafted owning your voice and owning your branding and taking ownership of Laura Higgins because mm. that's who you are. That's your identity. That nobody can take that away from you. You own that. Yeah. That's yours. And yet you've just mentioned to me before we jumped on this recording, you're hosting a live event in Sydney. You can do that because you feel confident speaking to a room and articulating your message. So it, it's a ripple effect, Laura, and it just keeps on giving. Yeah. Oh, the big thing that I have found in, in business, in marketing, in life in general, and I say this a lot is that the best communicator wins. Mm. And so it's like, if we, even if for you listening, if you're like, oh, but I don't want to speak on a stage. I just want to show up on my Instagram stories a bit better. I just want to do a live video or I want to host a webinar or I want to feel more confident in sales calls. All of that is public speaking. Correct. All of that is communication. It is, it is like, and it's not just scripting words and, and speaking to a screen. It's connecting with people and it's so powerful. And you're so right. It is one of the most important skills I think we can invest in because the best communicator wins. Like Mm. if you can communicate in a more compelling way than someone else, even someone who's more qualified than you, if you can speak to people's hearts and their minds and you can, like I love that distinction of getting people to think or getting people to feel, if we can do that, like our marketing starts to kind of sing. It starts to feel like magic. It starts to feel like, oh, okay, it's magnetic now rather than just more noise. Absolutely. And so- also like 
more and more we have to show up on video. Mm. So how do we do that and how do we how do we show up with confidence and not hide behind our screen or not not show up in a timid way but show up in a confident, authentic, aligned way. And I think mm. oh there's so much to it that I think again when we start businesses we think oh I'm just a photographer. That's all I have to do and it's like no no no. <laughs> You've got to figure out all of these other things as well, right? Yes, 100%, Laura. And I, it's so funny you mentioned this. I've literally just started working with a new client. And the reason she hired me was because she has this really successful business, but she's recognized that her biggest downfall is when she gets on a discovery call, she can't advocate her services. She can't talk about mm. pricing. She can't pitch herself. Yeah. She gets really uncomfortable. And then she lets them go without closing the sale. And that in of itself, if you're not confident in that conversation, you're already losing prospects, losing money, losing connection, whatever it might be. So that's another reiterator of why it's so important. I also want to touch on, you mentioned something so important, which is about public speaking is more than just being on stage. I honestly Mm. think this stigma or conception that we have when we think of public speaking, we think of the big red curtains drawn across like a black stage with like thousands of people in the audience and one standalone microphone in the middle of the stage, right? It is such a disservice to think about this skill with only that image in your mind. Imagine thinking about running and the only image you have with running is running a marathon. You can't run for fun. You can't go and do a, a, a jog in the park. You can't do a, a 5K. You can't go on a fun run on the Saturday morning. You have to do a marathon every time you run. Mm. You have to do 42 kilometers. There's no exceptions. I think pe- a lot of people, un- unbeknownst to them, it's not their fault. This is what we've been fed through marketing and through historically a lot of famous public speaking coaches that are most likely men that, that have spread this message. <laughs> we see public speaking as just being on stage. And presenting yeah. to a room full of people and learning stagecraft in that way. Now, stagecraft is a wonderful technique and a beautiful skill. And my God, do I love teaching it. That's where the, that's where the nerd side of Annalise really comes out, right? But let's not also diminish the connection that can be built over having a cup of coffee or how to actually constructively fill those first five minutes of a Zoom call when you're meeting three new prospective business people or clients and you don't just want to have shallow small talk, or you are invited to share the weekly recap in your meeting at work. And rather than fumbling over your words, you actually can present it in a really engaging, fun way that commands the attention of your colleagues. These are the little opportunities that we're thinking of that involve this art of speaking confidently. It's not just doing a TED talk, which is amazing. I'm not diminishing that or discrediting that whatsoever. But I think we also need to challenge that ideation of what constitutes being a public speaker. Oh, I love that. And I think that that is so important. And this is how it's going to apply for anyone listening who is like, I I think it's crazy to think I don't need to improve in this area. I A lot of my time is spent speaking, whether that's on videos, podcasts, coaching calls, whatever. This is the number one skill that I'm like, if I can improve in this, Mm. I can see everything in my business improving. I will make more money because if I can communicate more clearly and speak to what people really resonate with, and like you said, command the intention of people, Mm. of my people, that is going to impact my revenue. That's going to impact also probably more importantly than that, it's actually going to allow people to understand what's in my head 
in a way that resonates with them that they can apply. And so it's also about the audience. You know what I mean? So it's about, yes, it's good for business, but more importantly, it allows the people who are listening to you or following you or engaging with you to get a better result because you're communicating, you're giving them better like data, if that makes sense. You're giving them better stimulus for them to respond to and go, oh, I really resonated with that. You explained that in a way I understood and I remembered. Yes. And that is an art. It is. It is. And I love that point you mentioned about your audience. And that's so true. If you want to be a better speaker, be more familiar and affluent with your audience know what they need, know their mm. pain points, know what they they want to hear versus what they, they need to hear, like all those different things. I feel like the, a big mistake that we make when speaking to a cold audience or people that we're not familiar with, and for example, social media is a big cold audience. A lot of people <laughs> don't know you, a lot of people, you know, whatever it might be. The more specific you can get on exactly who is the person that you're speaking to, you can nail to a T like how old they are, their experiences, their feelings, their pain points, all of that. Like for me, I often think of my past self as in my younger self, because when I was working in corporate and studying law and so bloody deep in imposter syndrome and craved the validation of my male colleagues and did anything to impress my boss, that for me, I, despite how confident I was or how trained I was in public speaking, I didn't speak up. I didn't mm. say, I didn't say shit. Cause I, I didn't want yeah. to fall out of the status quo. And if I did, then that meant I had to keep that up. And I wasn't prepared to keep up that persona because I wasn't confident of myself and didn't have the skill set to do that. Right. So when you're thinking yeah. about your audience, often women who start their own businesses, correct me if I'm wrong here, Laura, but often we start them out of something that we have experienced that we have then overcome. And we're like, holy guacamole, that was life-changing for me. Imagine if I could show other people the ropes. Yes, 100%. It's it's you five years ago. Exactly. So when you're thinking about this audience member, think about you five years ago. What actually did you need to hear? What do you wish Mm. somebody had said to you? How do you wish they delivered it in a way that wasn't intimidating or overwhelming or anxiety-inducing? How can you make it more personable? I think that's a real skill as well. Yeah. And I'd love to touch on, and and this can be kind of rapid fire, but I'd love to touch on the things that you see as the the common mistakes that people are making, whether it's, Mm. you know, showing up on Instagram stories or, or how people are actually showing up when they speak in public. What, what do you think are the big mistakes? Okay. We're going to rapid fire here because there's, there's a few. So I'll, I'll kind of just (laughs) spitfire. First one that comes to mind with social media is speaking to the screen and not to the camera. Imagine speaking to somebody in person and looking at their chest the entire time. That is what literally it feels like when watching a video and somebody is looking at the screen, right? And it's, it's not your fault if you're doing this. It doesn't hugely affect the quality of your video, but what it does impact is there is so much research and science and evidence based on the power of eye contact and eye contact building mm. trust and rapport and legitimacy and honesty and, and love and all of these really beautiful, fuzzy, warm feelings that we can have with another human being. So immediately, if you are on social media and you are creating content, start looking at the little black dot instead of your screen. Second thing I'll love. say, if you are somebody who gets mental blanks and you mumble and fumble over your words quite a lot when you speak, First tip I'll give you for mental blanks involves a glass cup 
That sounds really weird. But what I want you to do is make sure every time you speak, whether it be on an Instagram live or it be in front of your colleagues or whatever the situation might be, have a glass of water. Because what you're going to do when you lose your train of thought is um, so as I was saying, <laughs> what you're going to do when you lose your train of thought is you're going to have a sip of water. I know that sounds quite silly, but the more that you practice it, people can't get angry at you for drinking water. <laughs> it is normal to drink water. So this is actually a really brilliant hack for you to regain composure, to take a, take a second, Beautiful. take a beat, and then think about what it is that you want to say next. Another big mistake that I see with presenting, more so thinking about longer presentations, two big key things. Number one is absolutely slaughtering PowerPoint slides. I mean, like, putting paragraph upon paragraph on these slides and just standing and, and reading to the audience. Un, like humans cannot read and listen at the same time. It's one of our downfalls. And if you can, please somebody reach out to me and teach me because it's a skill that I would love to learn. But my point being, if you are sitting in the audience and somebody is speaking to you and then something comes up with 50 sentences or words on it, you're going to start reading the slides, which means that you've automatically lost your audience. So the second yeah. big thing I was going to say when creating slides or when creating structure in your presentation, I want you to think about rule of three. So number three is proven to be the best number in terms of memory retention and also being able to condense information to a concise enough manner that people can actually remember after the presentation. If it's five or six things or 10, God knows it's too much. If it's one, unless you've got a lot of content that you can talk about for however long the presentation is, usually three gives you more variety. So when structuring your presentation, we can think about using rule of three. So for example, it might be what, why, how, what's the matter at hand? What's the issue? Why is it important? How do we solve it or how do we address it? Right. When doing, uh, you know, pitches or looking at revenue or projections or whatnot, you might do past, present, future, like what were our numbers last week? Where are we sitting currently? What do we want them to be in 14 days? Right. So using rule of three is a really powerful way to hook people in and keep them engaged. Another mistake that I see, this might be controversial to other coaches, but this is just my opinion. Public speaking is a dialogue, not a monologue. If you yes. monologue to your audience for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, God forbid, longer than that, without engaging them, without interacting with them, without having a conversation with them, you've lost them. You've lost them. How how long can you keep people's attention for, do you think? Like the, in if you're doing a, a presentation, how long until we have to kind of change context or engage or ask a question, do you think? It's a fantastic question. I don't know the average attention span. It's actually probably a good thing to look up. I know on with social media now, it's said to be like seven or eight seconds is our average attention span. Yeah. And if we're not hooked within that, mm. we move on. So from my experience with presenting, you've got anywhere from 25 to kind of 35 seconds. And that's, wow. that's really it. And if, if in that period of time they're not engaged or they're not laughing or they're not thinking differently or feeling differently or something's not happening, then that's when we start to tune out and switch off. Now, as somebody mm. who sat in lecture halls for five years, I can tell you 
<laughs> but I have seen the mastery of monotonous presenting for hours on end. And it does not take 25 or 35 seconds. It takes three because there's a really funny, yes. interesting thing in our brains. We have pitch receptors. So when your voice goes high and then your voice goes low, that's our pitch, right? If you maintain a monotonous tone for a period of time and you don't change your voice and you keep it on the same register and you don't move it at all and then you move on to the next point and, you know, while we're at it, I thought I'd talk through my grocery list as well. We've got broccoli, we've got eggs, we've got lemons. How unbelievably <laughs> boring is that? You're yeah. going to tune off immediately. So we're not only thinking about how we can keep our audience engaged, and I can talk to that in just a moment, but we also need to think about how can we use our voice to stimulate and to create excitement yes. and spontaneity. Because if you are doing the same thing consistently over and over and over again, they're going to tune out, right? So coming back to oh, so the point I just mentioned about engaging, okay? So how do we engage mm. them? There are something called anchors, which I love using. Anybody who's seen me present has seen me use them. I'm quite a, I'd like to say, humorous person. I'll let, I'll let the judges decide. <laughs> so my style of presenting, and I do want to emphasize this, will not be a cup of tea for everybody. Just like your yeah. style of presenting, Laura, will not be a cup of tea for everybody. Yeah. That is the beautiful thing about being a speaker. It is not one size fits all. And you can create and master your own stagecraft. And that is the greatest mm. opportunity and gift of all time, right? So for me, when I'm presenting, anchors might be using humor or it might be interacting with a, an audience member. So for example, and people have definitely seen me do this before, I'll be, I might be going on a tangent and then there'll be someone sitting in the front row and I'll say, sorry, what was your name? And they'll say, oh, Felicity. Felicity, you have been so locked in these past five minutes with me and you look so engaged. Thank you so much for being so present with me. I really appreciate it. And I'll keep going on. Now, so this is human psychology that's really fascinating. Now, Felicity is automatically going to feel like, oh, you're so welcome. Like, you know, that's going to give her a good boost. But what's really interesting is then the entire room is on the hook because the audience has then right. learned I'm watching. I'm not just speaking. I am watching and I am listening and I am observing, right? So interacting with your wow. audience. I love doing turn to the person next to you. So anybody who's been to a workshop of mine, spoiler alert, often I start with turn the person next to you and say, you're sexy. I'm so glad you're here. Turn the person next to you Love. and say, you're the best person in the world. I'm so glad you're here. Whatever it might be. It's something to make it fun, light. It's unexpected. It's humorous. Gets them talking to one another. I also do a lot of hand raising. So I say, is that yeah. resonating? Raise your hand if this is resonating. Who's following my conversation with that? Now, the reason I do the hand raising, you don't have to raise your hand. You could do nod your head. So I often say that that's some sexy head nods. Thank you so much. Right. So we'll, we'll get some head <laughs> nods going on. The point of this, Laura, regardless of what technique you choose to use, and there are dozens, there's a plethora of them. The point of doing this is you are checking in with your audience that they are with you on this journey. Yeah. It is a dialogue, not a monologue. So you need to make sure they are riding alongside with you because if you steam train ahead, and your audience is still waiting at the platform, you've lost them. So no matter what mm. you say, it doesn't matter because the, the power and the kick and the memorability in presenting is not what you say, it's how you say it. So you could be the smartest mm. person in the world with the most exciting things to talk about, but if you can't deliver it in a way that is engaging, you've lost the audience. Oh, that is amazing. I'm like taking so many mental notes because I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, how can I, how can I do all of this? I have one final question for you. And Please. You, I saw a content piece that you had on this. Um, and that was a perfect example of 
what I'm about to say. Filler words. Ums, mm. ahs, like, actually, like, talk to us about the filler words. How do we, A, recognize when we're doing it and B, stop doing it? Yes. Love this question. It's, I would argue, one of the most commonly asked questions I get as a speaking coach is people will say, oh my God, I'm so bad with filler words. How do I change them? So just as you beautifully articulated, Laura, for those who are listening, filler words are our um, are, like, so basically, you know, does that make sense? Honestly, those types of phrases that we use to insert in moments where we have an absence of sound, otherwise known as a pause. Now, the... um. Interesting thing about uh, using like filler words when we um, speak is that despite uh, still saying the um, same thing, it completely discredits the confidence and the effectiveness of how you communicate it. Because when we litter Mm. our speech with filler words, I know we don't intend to use them, but the reality of the fact is, is that we can't communicate as effectively and as clearly and as concisely as we'd like to. So let's go through your two questions. How do they happen? How do we fix them? Right? That was around the ballpark of what you done. Yeah. How do we recognize them? How do we recognize yeah. them? So really important thing to know is filler words are subconscious. So if they were conscious, obviously we wouldn't use them because if you had a big flashing light in front of you that said, you're about to say, um, we would then, oh, not say, um, (laughs) so the first big thing is knowing that it is unconscious. We need to make something that is subconscious conscious, and we need to do this through activating a part of your brain called your reticular activating system. Now, essentially there's a lot of science in this. You can research it if you're interested, but it's a part of your brain that when told to focus on something, it focuses on it, right? So if I say today, I'm looking for dogs, I'm focused on seeing dogs. When I go on my walk, I'm going to be scanning the streets looking for the cutest puppies I can find because my brain is focused on seeing them. My RAS is on. Okay. So the first thing we have to do is identify what is your filler. So for you, Laura, for example, do you know what your filler is, what you tend to use? Mine is, um, I use that a lot. That's my big one. Great. So first big step is we've identified our filler. Um, and for many listeners, they will recognize um as well. It's one of the most common fillers that we use. Okay. So we know my filler is um. The second thing we have to establish is why are we using the filler? Is it because we don't know what to say next? Is it because we get really nervous? Is it because we're hanging around a group of people who also say um, and we're picking it up as a communication habit? What is the reason why we're saying um? So for you, Laura, it might be, I'm just presuming that you lose a train of thought or you're not entirely sure what you're (laughs) going to say next. So you choose to fill the sound with um. Is that correct? Yeah. I, it's like, it's like a journey for all. No one knows where this sentence is ending, you know? Okay. 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 So <laughs> what we have to do then is we have to be really intentional with how we're going to get rid of it. And there's a few different ways that we can do it. Now, the first way, and I also recommend this for anybody wanting to become a more confident speaker, because this tip I'm about to share is fantastic for not just filler words, but learning to speak confidently on camera, developing your thought fluency, developing your articulation skills. It's a million and one. So what I want you to do is a daily recap. So what this is at the end of every day, you're going to get out your camera on your phone and for 60 seconds, we all have 60 seconds in the day. Don't tell me you don't because you do find it. You make time for what's important for you. Find the 60 seconds, get out your phone, turn your camera app on, and you're going to speak to your phone for 60 seconds about your day. So it could be the the dogs that you saw in the dog park or the really shit coffee that you had or the colleague that told a funny joke, whatever happened during the day. You're going to talk for 60 seconds. Once you've filmed that video, Laura, you're then going to do two things. 
The first thing is you're going to turn the phone over. You're going to turn the volume up. And without watching the screen, you're going to listen to your voice. And you're going to start to notice where that um comes up. So you're going to start to be very aware of it. Okay. And you're going to start to listen to also the sound of your voice. So what happens with your pacing or your pitch or your intonation or your use of language, all those juicy things. The second time you're then going to turn the phone over and you're going to watch the phone, but you're going to put it on mute. So you're then going to observe your body language. You're going to ask yourself, does this person engage me when I watch them speak? Are they using their hands? Are they, do they have good posture? Are they making eye contact? Are they using facial expression? So we actually start to learn a lot of these really powerful communication modalities through one really simple technique. So that's the first one, the daily recap. Now, before you start filming, if you're doing the daily recap to get rid of fillers, I want you to say your filler word out loud three times before you start. So for you, it would be, um, 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 and then you're going to start. And the reason we've done that is we've taken a subconscious to conscious. So we're now thinking about, Mm. um, which means I guarantee you today, Laura, it's going to happen. When you next say, um, you're, oh God, I just said, um, okay. So as I was saying, when you, oh God, I did it again. You're going to start to actually recognize that you're saying it because you're now listening to your voice because you are conscious of it. Right. So the daily recap is the first technique. I'll give one more just for sake of time. If you live with people, do you live with anybody, Laura? Yeah, my husband. Okay, beautiful. So it might be a husband, it might be a roommate, it might even be a best friend. Even if you don't live with people, you can find another environment to do this in. We're going to use the power of sound association. Now, I've had clients who have created bets and games and have won money off this. So please, at your own discretion, and this does not come with a T's and C's, so I'm not holding myself liable, but the power of sound association works like this. You're going to have a conversation with your husband, Laura, and it might sound something like, hey, I just spoke to Annalise. She's a speaking coach, and she's made me really conscious of the fact that I use a lot of ums. I'd love to stop using them. So, hun, when I'm in the house and you hear me say um, can you clap? Can you click? Can you go, hey, babe, you just said um. And what that's going to do is that's going to have a third party remind you and make you conscious of, oh, shit, that's right. I just said it. Now, the powerful thing about this technique is, is the more consistently that you become aware of it over time, you'll notice that you start to use it less and less and less because you start to listen to your voice. Now I have to mention one final thing. The envy of a filler word is a good pause. And as a society, we have a fear of silence. I really believe we do because (laughs) the amount of times I've been in conversation and there's a perfectly respectable pause but it automatically has to be filled and somebody has to speak. And this could be for many different reasons. It's not a bad thing, but we also have to recognize on our journey to erasing filler words, we have to become more comfortable with pause because pause allows us time to think. It allows us time to conceptualize or structure what we want to say next, but it also gives you time to bloody breathe. And God knows when you don't breathe, then your pacing goes out of whack and you talk like a steam train and we start to work like vomit diarrhea out of our mouth and it all, it all comes crashing down. Right? <laughs> so all in all, the solution often lies in a pause. And I will say everything I've mentioned, it takes time to practice. I want you to approach everything with so much compassion and grace and patience. You did not form the habit overnight you cannot expect it to leave overnight. But you've got to ask yourself, is today going to be day one or are you going to keep saying, oh, one day I'll do that? So if you're listening to this right Mm. now and you've been inspired and you're thinking, you know what? I've actually wanted to work on my speaking. I've wanted to work on my presentation skills, whatever it might be. Take this as your little cue. 
take this as your sexy little sign of, okay, babe, well, let's take one thing. Maybe it's the daily recap. Let's start doing those videos at the end of each day and see what happens. And over time, you will see an improvement because that's how consistency works and that's how progress happens. So I hope those in the many different sporadic ways that they were shared were helpful. Oh my gosh. You have so much gold and like, yeah, I just feel like there is so much value for anyone listening to this, whether or not you want to speak on stage or you just want to feel more confident speaking on your Instagram Mm -hmm. stories, wherever you sit on that spectrum, there is so much to learn about speaking and communicating with confidence. Now, Annalise, where can people follow you? Where can people see your glorious, because I know you've got so many more hacks and tips to share. Where can people engage with you more? I'm at Her Speaking Coach everywhere. So if you find Her Speaking Coach, you'll find me and I'll be there probably doing a boogie ready to greet you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am so grateful to have had you here. We're definitely, I think it'd be really awesome to get you to come in and do a session with our um, next level club clients, because I reckon they're all going to need help with this. Um, ah, there it is. I'm so aware of it. (laughs) She's aware of it. Yay. (laughs) Oh my God. Look at how that happened. That makes me so excited. (laughs) Conscious. It's been brought to the conscious. I love your work. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we'll definitely drop your Instagram website, all of those things in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you want to get more of Annalise in your life, definitely check out the show notes. You will find all of the links that you need. Thank you so much, Annalise. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Well, there you have it. That is the play-by-play for this week. Don't forget to check out our show notes for links to see all of Annalise's stuff, to check out her website, her Instagram. You are definitely going to want to follow her on Instagram because she has so, so much more value to share. I feel like we could have kept going in this conversation, but like (laughs) we've got places to be. We've got people to see, places to be, all the things. Anyway, don't forget if you do want to work with a coach in 2024 and if you feel like, heck yes, I want 2024 to be my year, there has never been a better time to join us inside the Next Level Club. There are so many cool things that we've got going on even before the end of the year and definitely in January, we've got some epic training and epic strategies lined up. So if you want in, all you need to do is DM me on Instagram at Laura Higgins, send me the words next level and I'll know that you are serious and ready to party and ready to take your business to the next level and we can have a chat. All right, my friend, I love your work. I will see you back here. Same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, go get them.